Hello. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Camarina. I'm one of the Bible teachers here at the Rock Community Church. And uh, we are going to be beginning a study of First John. This is a study that we will be going through at our men's breakfast uh, uh, gathering, which is at Kino's in Anaheim Hills. Uh, we gather uh, at 6.45 in the morning at Kino's. Um, they're seating us outside uh, because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, we, the original intention was to record these, um, uh, these teachings in, as they were being taught at Men's Breakfast and then to, to post them on the website. Uh, however, with the noise pollution, since we have to be outside, that wasn't really possible. So I am recording this. Uh, after the fact, um, so that we can post it on the website, and those men who do not feel comfortable uh, gathering in public at a at a restaurant, even if it is outdoors, uh, those men and others can listen uh, to to the uh, to the teaching on our podcast. So uh, we're going to be starting First John, and uh, uh, before we get into the study, I want to pray as we approach God's Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for the, the way you love us and how you've communicated your word to us through the scriptures, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds right now as we come to your word uh, to, to glean uh, your wisdom and to, to know more about who you are, your plan for our lives, your plan for salvation and the sanctification in our lives. And uh, we just pray that... Uh, uh, through this study of First John, that men would be edified and encouraged, and that uh, and that you would be glorified, Lord. Uh, so um, we give this time to you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, let's talk about First John. Uh, this is the, as I said, the beginning of our study. We're going to be really just focusing on the first four verses of the book of First John, and. Uh, I just wanted to kind of give an overview of the book in this first uh, in this first teaching. First uh, John is an epistle. It's a it's a letter that was written by the apostle John to the the church. Um, John also, incidentally, wrote the Gospel of John. And so I wanted to make a distinction to start off between John's Gospel and and this epistle. Uh, which we call First John. There's actually three epistles that John wrote, First, Second, and Third John. Um, we'll be studying First John, but I want to make the distinction between the gospel and the epistles. So, in the gospel, uh, John's audience is primarily the unbeliever, uh, those those who uh, don't know the Lord in a saving way, uh, and might be uh, desiring to understand who Jesus is. Um, this is a this is a a wonderful book to to really know the character of Jesus, who he is, um, and why he came to this earth. Whenever I am witnessing to an unbeliever, or even if I'm just talking to maybe a new believer, or uh, or someone who's not very mature in their faith, uh, I almost always tell them to read the Gospel of John if they desire to know who Jesus is. I'll almost always direct them to the Gospel of John. And that is because the Gospel of John gives the reader a very vivid picture of the person of Jesus Christ. We really get to know who he is. 
so the the Gospel of John, you could say, is is very evangelistic. But on the other hand, in the epistle, uh, in in this epistle, First John, John is takes on a more pastoral role. So what do I mean by that? Well, John, as I mentioned, is is writing to the church. He's writing to those who uh, already believe, who have a saving faith in in Jesus Christ, and so he takes on a more pastoral approach. And so the question is, why is John writing this letter to the church? And so to answer that question, uh, let me start with this. Let's look at how John begins this letter. John begins his letter in a very unique way, in a way that is different from many of the other epistles in the Bible. Um, it's very different from, for example, from how Paul starts his letters, or even James, or even how uh, the Apostle John uh, starts Second and Third John. First uh, John starts off very differently. Paul would usually give a graceful introduction to his letters. For example, in Ephesians, uh, he introduces the letter. He starts the letter off by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that was a typical beginning to any letter at this at this time, and particularly uh, the letters of Paul. But let's look at let's look at how John starts the book of First John. So here's First uh, John chapter one verse one. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. That's a different introduction, right? Verse 1, I'll read that again. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John starts this letter off with a bang, right? He just gets right to the point. And you can all you can sense this. Uh, just it, it's a sense of urgency in this in John's writing. It's it's almost palpable. And so, what is it that is so urgent that John feels that he must skip the pleasantries of a traditional introduction and get right to the point? Well, let's get a little context here to answer that. John probably wrote this first epistle in the 90s AD. Um, that, would, that, would, that would put his age somewhere in his 80s. Uh, this would have been anywhere from 50 to 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the, the church is in its, in its infant stage, to be sure. The, the church is relatively new and, and young. Um, but at the same time, you know, 50 to 60 years, that's a significant amount of time 
that's passed since the since the formation of the of the church. Many people in the church at that time may not have even been alive when Jesus walked the earth. A lot of them wouldn't have been born yet. And so 50 to 60 years is plenty of time for heresy to creep into the church. And that's exactly what happened. Members of the church in the region began to teach false doctrines. Doctrines that 1 Timothy 4.1 refers to as doctrines of demons. This was starting to happen in the church. And, and, um, and heresies were starting to infiltrate the church from within. And as we read through the, this epistle, we can kind of piece together what those heresies were, what these doctrines of demons involved. So um, I'm going to read through some of the verses here, and uh, we're going to try to piece together what the heresies were that were infiltrating the church at the time. So in the first place, in, in first in chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. Uh, let me read verse 1. It says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life? Skipping down to verse 3. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John starts right out of the gate by saying, Hey, we, the apostles, we saw Jesus with our own eyes. We touched Him. Our hands handled Him. We heard Him with our own ears. We were with Him in the flesh. And there is no doubt that He was a man and that we were with Him. That's what he's saying in these first few verses. You see that the heresy that the early church was facing was that Jesus wasn't a living human being. Rather, they were claiming that he was an emanation or a, a spiritual abstract manifestation of God. But he wasn't human, they said. T today, the claim, the typical claim is that Jesus uh, is not God, right? But back then, the, the claim was more that he wasn't human. And do you see what that does, right? If, if Jesus was not a man, then he couldn't have died for our sins. If he wasn't a living, breathing human being, he could not have died for our sins. If he wasn't a human, he could not have lived a sinless life as a man so that he can then credit that sinlessness to our account. So he had to be a man, a living man, because the, the wages of sin is death, right? And so he had to die that death and, and be forsaken by the Father. He had to also live that sinless life as a man so that that, sinless life can be credited to our account. So that was the first heresy that, or one of the heresies that they were uh, facing. Uh, skip down to verse 10 of chapter 1. Verse 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So I think that one's pretty clear. The heresies also included 
the lie that we don't sin. We have no sin. And specifically what they were saying was, is that all matter, physical matter, all matter is evil and all things that are spirit are good. They're saying all matter is evil and all things that are spiritual are good. So, that, so our spirit, our soul is inherently good. It's, our spirit is sinless, is what they were saying. And incidentally, that was the reason they gave for the belief that Jesus could not have been a man. Since all matter is evil, Jesus never would have inhabited the physical body of a man, they said. But the Apostle John, um, uh, his rebuttal for that is, if we say that we have not sinned, then we make God a liar, and his word is not in us. Now let's look over in uh, chapter 2, in verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I love the Apostle John. He's just so straightforward, isn't he? You know, Paul Paul tended to deal with this, uh, this question of, well, what if I fall short? Paul tended to deal with that question in a believer's life in a, in a, in a different way, kind of a more, uh, in, a, in an easier way, I guess you could say. Uh, but John, John presents the fundamentals of the Christian life in absolute terms. Right. If we, uh, the one who says, I have come to know him and doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. In, in fact, the only time uh, he, he doesn't, so Paul, I'm sorry, John does not, he doesn't uh, really get into this, well, what if I fall short question. He doesn't even really answer that. He does actually answer it one time in, in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He does say, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So John does answer that, but that's the only time he answers that what if I fall short question in, in the entire epistle. Every other time, he's going he's gonna to be using absolute terms like he does here in verse 4. Let's look at verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So apparently, these heretics were teaching that you can be a believer and still hate your brother. You can be a believer and still hate your brother, they said. And so John combats that heresy by saying that we are to love one another. If you say you're in the light and yet you hate your brother, you're in the darkness until now. Skip down to uh, chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love of the Father is not in him. So they were teaching, evidently, that we are to love the world. And so John is combating that 
heresy. Skip down to chapter 2, verse 22. Who is the liar? But the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist and the one who denies the Father and the Son. So they were teaching in some form that Jesus is not the Christ. So these are the heresies that had entered the church and that the Apostle John was combating. And these heresies are the beginnings of what is commonly referred to as Gnosticism. This is the early, uh, an early form of Gnosticism in what would uh, ultimately end up becoming full-blown Gnosticism. Uh, so what is Gnosticism, right? What is it and why is it important to be aware of it? Uh, Gnosticism, the, the word, uh, comes from the Greek word gnosis, and, and these all have a silent G at the beginning. So the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which means knowledge. Uh, so it was founded on the idea that there was, there was some people who have special knowledge of the things of God. Right? You've heard of an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who believes that we can't know God. He, there, there might be a God, but we can't know that God. It's different from an atheist. An atheist believes there is no God. An agnostic believes that we can't know God. Uh, Gnostics, on the other hand, as opposed to an agnostic, Gnostics believe that not only can we know God, but that they are the only ones who truly know God. So an agnostic believes we can't know God, and a Gnostic believes that they are the only ones who truly know God. They have special knowledge. And so modern Gnosticism uh, appears in the form of things such as New Age theology. Right? You may, maybe you've heard of New Age theology. One of the biggest heresies of New Age theology is this idea that you are your own God. Your experiences, your thoughts, your inherent goodness should be, it should be the basis for all your decisions, all your beliefs. It's a damning heresy uh, that is, and it's taken hold of, a, of this generation, the millennial generation, in a big way. And so uh, that's modern Gnosticism, but this is the beginnings of what we see in, in 1 John. We're seeing the beginnings of what eventually would become Gnosticism. And so John goes through these heresies and tackles them one by one, right? These heresies that Jesus was not human. Man does not sin. A believer's obedience is optional. You can hate your brother and still be a Christian. Love the world. Jesus is not the Christ. These are the heresies that John is dealing with and combating in this epistle of First John. And then John does something very interesting in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he, uh, towards the end of, of the chapter, he, he circles back to the same statements he just made in, the, in chapters 1 and, and the first half of chapter 2. He circles back to those statements 
and he expands on them. In fact, he, he circles back three times so that he goes through these same truths a total of four times. And each time he, he circles back, it's kind of like this spiral. Think of a spiral staircase. Each time he spirals back to these truths, he expands on the thought a little bit more each time and gives us a little bit more depth to these truths. Whereas the, the Apostle Paul's epistles were more linear, right? So if this is true, then this, and if this is true, then this, and so forth. If, if Paul, where, where Paul's epistles were more linear, 1 John is written in a circular format. And this is what makes 1 John so pastoral. It's like John is having a conversation with his children. He's just, he's just talking to his flock. He's trying to protect the flock from the heresies in the church. So uh, as we go through this epistle, as we study this epistle, let's think about, about, about that. Let's think about how John circles back and he's just having a conversation with the flock, uh, warning them of these heretical teachings. Let's think about these things as we, as we study this epistle. I would encourage you to read through 1 John multiple times, start to finish in one sitting. Um, and as you do that, uh, think about uh, how John is being pastoral, how he's, uh, he's talking to God's children, warning them of the heresies that uh, we're all in danger of. So think about those things as you hear the words of the Apostle John under the influence of the Holy Spirit.